him up, Clarky. Give us a bit of belief. No, fire, fire us up, Clarky. A bit of belief, bro. <laughs> Do you believe? Now get into him. He's staring at him. Fire him up, Clarky. Welcome back to another episode of the Gold Coast Titans Frontline Podcast with myself, BKR Sport, and Clarkie's Rugby League Column. This is a podcast every single week where we go through everything to do with the Gold Coast Titans, whether that be the men's team, the women's team, the Host Plus Cups team, everything that is going around the community of the Gold Coast. We just want to really push some kind of positivity, man. Obviously, for everyone who is listening, we feel your pain. We've gone through everything alongside you, and we just want to sit here, chat about things, you know, really delve into them and, and help everyone understand from our perspective that can also help out your perspective on why you really need to back this team going forward. You know, it has been a tough time being a Gold Coast Titans fan, but you just got to keep on going, keep on supporting this team because ultimately it resembles our community of the Gold Coast. Today, guys, we're going to be going through the review of the game against the Knights for the women's. Also, our preview for the Roosters coming up. We are going to be going into our men's team that played the Sharkies down there at Cronulla Park. And also, we're going to be previewing the Panthers game and all our Host Plus Cup action in between. So, if you are listening to us here on Spotify, Apple, we appreciate you. And also on YouTube, thanks for watching. Obviously, hit that subscribe button. But I'm here alongside Clark. He's Rugby League. Connor, man, how you doing? Yeah, not too bad, mate. Um, really, really challenging week for the club, I would say. You know, usually we're only copying the taste of one defeat in our men's side couple in our women's side with that and it wasn't the best week for the club but um i love what you said at the top it's a community focused podcast where we're all in this together we all want the same goal the same success and that is um the gold coast titans it's as simple as that and if we can jump on here for an hour spread some positivity around our club um and everyone can get enjoyment out of it then it's a win-win absolutely for everyone Let's kick it off with the news. And I think this is probably a good place to start because it is a very, very good news for our club, particularly moving forward. Our captain, Tino Fa'asumala'awi, has re-signed with us for 10 years. And we've also locked in his uh, good mate, David Fafita, until the end of 2026. Now, we've been here before. We never thought they were leaving. So I'm going to go to you straight away for your initial reaction to this news. Yeah, look, it was quite emotional, you know, finding out about it when we were down there at Sharky Park. You know, I was sitting there. We are just enjoying it. It was a beautiful night down there. And we obviously heard the news that Tino had re-signed for 10 years and, and Dave till 2026. And, you know, it was just such a massive feeling. And we went into that game thinking, you know what, we've won regardless. And I still have that viewpoint. You know, people can laugh at the re-signing. People can laugh at this and that. But ultimately, at the end of the day, we wanted this. And we needed this to really show that the culture around the Gold Coast Titans has changed for the better in regards to the fact that players want to be here. And I know people will come out and say, oh, we'll look at the money that we're giving them. I know Tino and I know Dave and they want to be here, right? They they deserve the money that they're getting. They are a massive influence in regards to our culture, in regards to our team. And if we had lost them, we would be well and truly behind the eight ball. We would have gone completely off track from what we were building towards and what we want to achieve. So it was such a momentous moment to see that these two guys with such large influences decided, you know what, although there's, there's offers elsewhere, the fact of the matter is I want to stay here on the Gold Coast. I want to keep building here and Desi Hasler, despite the fact that maybe our favorite coach is gone, we now have this new coach that we're still happy to build behind and really go forwards. Yeah, basically echo everything you said there. What I really want to narrow in on is the fact they met with Des Hasler before. This wasn't two players going, you know what, I think I kind of like it here. I like the money. It's a comfortable lifestyle. I'm going to re-sign. This is two players that met with our incoming coach, heard what he had to say, 
And then instead of, as we know, they had uh, still up to two months to negotiate their future. Instead of sitting there and going, thanks for talking, Desi. We'll go and hear what other clubs have to say. They've just said, well, we believe in you. We're going to re-sign it. And the only criticism I've heard online is of the $12 million for Tino. And I would just say to that, that's really, with a rising salary cap and a CBA locked in that sees that cap increasing every year, I see it just like the Jason Tumalolo deal. You just can't go wrong with it. I wouldn't have minded if we kept Dave for the same amount of time, if I'm absolutely honest. Let's move to a bit of news here, Blaze, that should have Titans fans nervous, if I'm absolutely honest. There was reports from Hull Daily. Now, I have seen some of their stuff be accurate before. Some of it's been hit and miss. Um, but that newspaper over in the UK is actually reporting that Hull FC, who have just signed Herman SASA, another one of our former players, they are very interested in Jacob Arley, and they're actually going to set his signature as their top signing priority. Now, obviously, we can't afford to lose him. Um, so maybe a chance for you to talk on Jacob Alec and his future at the club. I'm really looking forward to what Alec could offer us if he was to stay. Obviously, we don't know what Desi's thoughts are. We don't know what Des Hasler has in coming for this club going into next season. We don't know what position, what players are going to play. And we do also have, uh, you know, the thought process that we've got 28 players signed out of our 30. So now a bit of a Desi special could come in there. So we really don't know what's to come in the future and what Desi is talking about with Jacob. But, you know, obviously, if that's the case, if if Des was to say, you know what, I don't believe we're going to utilize you. You know, you've done really great things for Burley this year. He's been fantastic for Burley. And when he had his first opportunity, he nearly had an assist with his first touch of the ball in the game against the Dolphins and Seabus. So Jacob Alec is a star. He plays for Papua New Guinea in the international level. And I would love to see him have a future with us. But if it was for the fact that Des said, you know what, I've got other plans going forward, then I want nothing more to, than to see him succeed and to get an opportunity, which he does definitely deserve. So, you know, absolutely, I want Jacob to say, I actually want him to get a lot more of an opportunity going for next season. And I think if we are to keep him, we have to give him that opportunity because obviously other clubs are willing to give it to him. I hope if he does go to the Super League, it's under the same sort of situation that Cade Cust has where he was a manly 5'8". They couldn't find game time for him. He went and signed with, uh, I think it's the Wigan Warriors over there. But the agreement is when you return to the NRL, you're returning to us. So it's almost like a, a loan of sorts, I would say. Googled while you were talking. He's locked in on a, a club option for 2024, meaning as of November this year, they could sign him. So I think that Jacob Alec has shown a lot of promise, particularly in the lower grades. The one game we have seen him, I absolutely love what I saw. And so if the price is right and he's not asking for something absolutely ridiculous, I think he's someone we really need to lock down for his versatility to cover everywhere in the forward pack. Let's jump into our NRLW recap. Unfortunately, we did lose our first game of the season to the Knights, 22 to 10. Um, bitterly disappointing. I was really, really frustrated at full time. Um, maybe I'm expecting a little bit too much of our side this year. I'm not sure why I felt that way. But I can say the feelings of disappointment I have are really, really strong. Uh, we dropped from first on the ladder to fourth with that loss. And we just looked off the pace from start to finish, in my opinion. How did you see it, though, man? Yeah, that was a really frustrating one to have to watch. And it's not like, you know, we can't give credit to the opposition here and the Knights, who are the reigning premiership winners from last season. I was actually at the grand final. I watched the Knights do it, and they were very clinical there. 
And they were just clinical, you know, in this game as well. They had more possession in the game. You know, they completed at a much better rate, 75% to our 63%, which is awful. 63% completion rate is, is not great at all. And then beat us in pretty much every other, you know, stat in regards to all runs, run meters, post-contact meters, line breaks was equal. We only beat them by one tackle break. Um, they made an extra four meters on average set distance and uh, kick return meters we actually did better than them in with 148 to 137. But yeah, look, it was a, it was a disappointing performance. A, a lot of errors in that game, which has been a big thing for us this season. It's just those errors that if we can get rid of, man, we are a good team. You know, we are really a good team and uh, I still maintain that we have an opportunity to win this competition. Like one loss to the, the reigning premiers does not mean now I think, you know what, we're, we're done and dusted. But overall, obviously, it did drop us down the ladder. You know, we went from first to, to fourth, and the Raiders there, the Knights there, and the Roosters who are on top who we play this week, and we'll get into a preview in a second for them. But as, as I said last week, man, the problem that I was fighting with this team was that when we do win, we win by small margins. So it's affecting our points differential. It's exactly comparable to the Canberra Raiders in the men's game, where although they're in the eight, one loss could really drop you off massively because everyone else around you has a, a much better points differential. And that's what the case was with the Titans. Every game was close. The Roosters with a plus 62 points differential. The Knights with a plus 51 points differential. Luckily for us, the Raiders are only on three. We're on one. But again, the teams below us, the Tigers and the Broncos, have a plus 28 and a plus 19. So one loss this weekend against the Roosters, and we're out of the top four. You know, And that's just how close this game is and, and what how it can change so dramatically and so quickly. So yeah, we really need to pick up our error rate. We really need to, to pick up yeah, just do better from the, than that game. But again, it was against the reigning premiers. We do need to calm down a little bit, uh, but a little, a little bit of worrying, concerning signs. You know, a little bit, but nothing too crazy. I'd agree it's concerning signs for the fact that the NRLW is only a nine-round season. So you've kind of got to really hit the ground running in round one, which to our credit, we did really well. Uh, in the NRL, you know, we saw the uh, Sharkies, for example, who unfortunately just beat us, but they lost three in a row. Uh, only, you know, three or four weeks ago. And you can sort of afford to do that in the NRL because it's such a long season. In the NRLW, you've really got to time it and just hit your strides and keep going from there, which unfortunately we didn't do in this. We had the opportunity to. The theme of our games recently is we hang in there, we hang in there, we fight, and we find a way to win. The problem with this game was it was kind of clear after the first half, the first 35 minutes, that this wasn't going to work against the reigning premiers. We had to get ahead and we had to defend our way to victory. I do think individually a few players really felt the scoreboard pressure and probably pushed passes they shouldn't have or made you know errors that they would otherwise not. But I'm not going to sit here and individually call them out. I don't think that's of any benefit um, to our club at all. But ultimately, look, I can say everything we can say about the Knights and the errors that we made. As a team, we didn't give ourselves a chance. 63% completion rate. That was our worst since round one and 15 errors, which is just unacceptable. And you don't give yourself a chance, whether it's under sixes or the NRLW um, in this case. I thought Sienna Lofipo's try in the second half, you know, I thought we're going to come out in this second half. This is going to be great. Here comes the comeback. It's starting early. Uh, but we just weren't able to snatch that momentum. We started so well, and then the errors just fell us apart. And we got caught in this, this cycle, I thought, where we come off our own line, get a bit of field position, kick, They'd come back, we'd make an error. Back to square one. And it was just that, like a washing machine on cycle. And it was so frustrating and disappointing to watch. 
individually, though, the Knights did win matchups as well, uh, particularly when we talk fullbacks and halves. I thought their halves were a lot more controlled and measured than ours. And unfortunately, I do think Upton got the better of Polite, but I do think Ivania is still a better player there. Uh, but look, ultimately, there's, there's a lot of things that went wrong in that game, which means we can improve and we will improve. Let's leave that one in the past and let's finish with a positive. I want to know who gets your three points in this one. It's going to have to go to my MVP from the preseason. It is Georgia Hale. She absolutely killed it again with tackles. 55 tackles, which I believe before she broke it the other week, this would have broken the original record against her. She's actually done it basically twice this season. You know, she is just absolutely incredible, man. And if you think about fantasy points, she got 69, which would have been the most fantasy points in the game. If, if there was a fantasy that I could play, I'm telling you, that would be the uh, one of the first selections that I would take because she is just an absolute baller when it comes to making tackles and just getting gritty defensive. And she, I just, I love the way she leads around the park too. You can see her getting into the girls. You can see her really leading from the front. So yeah, really happy with how Georgia Hale has been this season. You know, uh, I, I genuinely believe that she is a Dallium chance. I think she's a Dallium chance with the way she plays. The only problem is, is that we do lose these games. Uh, if we lose these games, it really does make it an issue in regards to Dallium points. Uh, but no, she was absolutely fantastic again. And, you know, it's exactly what you want to see from your leader. Georgia gets my three points as well. 55 tackles for zero missed and a line break in there. Uh, a captain that leads by example. And you're right, the NRLW record was previously 51 tackles held by Samima Taufer while she was at the Eels, now at the Raiders. Uh, Georgia's had 55 and 56 this year. And I think in round one, she had 50. So when we talk like top five most tackles of NRLW all time, I think Georgia holds four of those five spots, which is really hard to believe. Uh, another brilliant game by our skipper. Who gets your two points? I think for me, if I'm going to give two points, I'd probably be looking towards, you know, Lauren Brown. Uh, she had a try assist and two line break assists, man. So, look, for me, I think Lauren Brown was 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 really solid in the game as well. Obviously, still not the best that we could possibly ask for from the entirety of the team. But as an individual effort, I do think that Lauren Brown put her best foot forward. And, uh, yeah, really excited to see what she can continue to do with the club. Completely agree. Brown gets my two points as well. And, you know, we've got such a powerful forward pack. But if you don't have that hooker that can create and get those forwards on the front, but not only that, but then link up with what is currently an inexperienced halves pairing. You know, the average age of our halves right now would be 18 years old, I think, maybe 18 and a half. You really need that experienced hooker in the middle. Uh, and Lauren Brown does offer that. She offered that in this game as well. And she gets my two points. Who gets your one point? I think for my one point, man, I'm probably going to have to go with Shannon Marto. I think she was unreal, man. 128 metres, one line break assist and 28 tackles. You know, really, uh, Shannon Marto every single week. She's been... She's been really good. You know, I haven't necessarily given it to her every single week, but because there has been other opportunities. But, you know, Shannon Marto has been a really good forward for this team. And uh, again, I think that if we're going to win the comp this year, it is going to come through our forwards. And especially at this time right now, when you've got like a player like Talia Fumayono, who is, you know, injured, I think that the forwards have to really step it up to help out the young halves, as you just said. So we do have a nice back line. Uh, and the back line realistically comes down to how the halves are performing. And and once we, we do receive the return of Talia Fuimono, I do think that we'll start to score a few more points uh, because that has been a bit of an issue for us this season in regards to scoring points. Uh, but again, the forwards are, are, are the ones that I look at there and you yeah, have to go with Shana Mato. Shana Mato gets my one point as well. She was brilliant. She has been all year. 
pretty sure I've given her a poll in majority of games or I've given her an honorable mention. Love her form and I love how her and Jess Elliston kind of bounce off each other week to week. One week, Jess is slightly better. Shannon's better slightly the next. Um, they're both brilliant individually, but there seems to be a little individual battle between them, which really, really helps our front row stocks. Let's jump into our NRW preview. We're against the Roosters this Saturday at 3.10 p.m. at Seabus Super. So, of course, that is a double header uh, with our Titans as well, Titans men's side as well. We are against the Premiership favourites in this one. Uh, they hold the same record as us, 3-1, and one, and we're coming off our first loss. So, needless to say, this one does loom as quite possibly the most important game of a nine-round season. Do you see it that way? And how do you see this one playing Yeah, out? this is a very important game. This was the preseason favourites. You know, they are still the favourites. They've got a massive points differential. You know, we are tied with the, the same amount of wins as them. But we absolutely do need to win this because, like I said before, with the, the Broncos and the Tigers, who were just below us on the ladder, uh, just quickly going to go have a look here at who those two teams do play this week. Oh, no, I've just clicked on an ad. You don't like to do that. Uh, but they've got the Tigers by the Dragons. You know, the Dragons are in eighth position. So you, you would expect it with the Tigers, the way they're performing in the Dragons form. The Tigers win that game. They're on plus 28, so they go above the Titans. And the Broncos play the Knights. That's a big game there. That's actually a, a pretty big win, must win nearly, for the Broncos at that point. Even though it's still early in the season, it is getting to a point of must win now, as you said, nine games. Um, so yeah, this is, this is a game that we have to really turn up for. We have to show... Uh, what we have against a really good team. We we gave it a crack against the Knights, but hopefully that was just a learning curve. Uh, and, we, and we do really fix that completion rate. Uh, but they've got some great players here. You know, Jessica Surtis and Isabella Kelly is an incredible center pairing there. You know, you've got Taryn Aiken and Joc Jocelyn Keller in the halves. Uh, Millie Boyle obviously went from the Knights to the Roosters. She's one of the best players, if not the best player in the game. Uh, and they've got a big four-pack that can, can match it with our four-pack. So, you know, I do think that we win the battle there between Avanya Paliti and, and Corbin Baxter. And I think that a lot of our, our back line can compete with their back line. But overall, you just look at that centre pairing of, of Sergis and Kelly, two massive, you know, international centres and uh, origin-playing centres. And you just get a little bit concerned there with the amount of points that they could possibly score. Uh, but, you know, we, we do have the team that can go up against them. I just We've just got to really hope that our halves can match it with their halves because they are young, they are inexperienced, and we just need a bit more direction. Um, but with that being said, that can easily happen. And, uh, you know, I'm just going to hope for the best. And, and, and obviously, it will be a doubleheader there at Seabus. So that means I'll be there on my drums. So whoever's kicking for the Roosters, girls, good luck. Good luck, because I'll be there and you don't know what's coming for you. You don't know what's coming for you. Mate, I love the drumming atmosphere at the NRLW. I'd say our fan base is probably one of the few in the NRLW that do it um, through yourself, which obviously I've got to pay huge respects and commend you for that effort, mate. Just looking at the ladder. Now, things would have to go our way and or not our way. We could go as high as first in this, I believe, or as low as seventh. You know what? I have to be honest here. For the Roosters' credit, the way they respond to their round two loss against the Raiders has been seriously impressive. There's been a 30-0 win over the Dragons. They then backed that up with a 24-point win against the Sharks without the head coach in attendance, uh, who was down in Melbourne for his son's NRL debut there. So I think realistically, I probably do have to tip the Roosters to win this one. I think they should beat us. But I'm not going to sit here and put a line through us and say there's no path to victory here. We can't win. The main issue I have for our side at the moment is our three best or our three wins this year have come in the 63rd minute when we scored the final nail in the coffin there against the Cowboys. That's seven minutes to go. We then go to the Broncos where we win in golden point and then we beat the Sharks with a try with two minutes to go. 
So we're really dominant in that final 10 minutes and we're winning games and getting home. But what if the Roosters don't give us that opportunity? What if the Roosters start so hard and fast and they've got strike all over the park? You reference their centers. What if the score's too big and there's simply no comeback option for us? And I do worry that if they are to get these early tries through a great start, then we might feel that scoreboard pressure start to make some errors, complete at a low rate, which we've seen now against the Knights. We simply can't win if we do that. That being said, the Roosters are the second worst in completions in this competition, only 1% better than us. So the same thing I just said for the Roosters as their key to victory is also ours. Girls, let's go out. Let's start hard, fast. Let's blow them off the park early, make them feel that scoreboard pressure, force them to make these errors, and don't even give them a chance. We really need a big win here to kick us off. Uh, not kick us off, kick us well into the top four, entrench us, and really start to kick up our points differential. What's your final tip for this one? Look, I think that the only way on this podcast that I, I, I'm going to tip against us is when I really just simply cannot see a way to victory. And if, the fun fact for you, the one time I've tipped against us on this podcast, we beat the Cowboys, right? And that was in the men's game. Um, obviously, I have tipped us for every game in the, in the women's game so far, and I genuinely believe we can win. And I'm going to tip us in this game too, because I genuinely believe we can win. If I think that there is a way to victory, I am going to back in our girls. I am going to back in this team. And there is a way to victory. Is it likely I wouldn't say that it's likely, considering the Roosters are the favourites to win the competition. They are at the top of the table. They've got a great points differential. But they ha have also been proven to be beatable. You know, they lost to the Raiders, you know, a couple of weeks ago. So the point of the matter is, is that although they look like this really shiny product and they look great, I know that this, this one loss here shouldn't bring us completely down from our viewpoint that obviously we aren't good enough to beat them. Because I originally said... I believe we can beat this team. So I am going to tip us. I think it's going to be 1-12. I think it's going to have to be an absolute, you know, 10 out of 10 performance to beat them. But I do think that we do have the opportunity at home at Seabus. They're not going to be making too many kicks in the right-hand sideline. I can tell you that right now uh, for the Roosters team. Uh, it's going to be a good atmosphere there. We're going to get as many people out there as possible. And it's going to be a big game. So, you know, if you guys aren't going to... Uh, sorry, if you are going to Seabus on Saturday... Please get down there for this early game. Get as much atmosphere as possible because the men's game is going to be incredibly difficult. But this game, although it's incredibly difficult, we do have a more of a likely shot of winning it. So really get some, some fire behind it, really get some atmosphere behind it, and really supporting this women's team. So I'm going to tip us. I'm going to say 1-12, but I'm not saying that you're wrong in your prediction either because that is the more likely outcome. And, you know, we're always going to advocate for our fans going to our home games where possible if you live on the Gold Coast on this podcast. But if that's not enough to convince you a double header, it's also a special American-themed game here is what our website has. It's going to be supported by the NFL and the LA Rams, who I know won the Super Bowl over there in the last season or two. There's going to be lots of stuff. There's going to be a hot yeah, dog years ago, contest. Two years ago. Two years ago, you're much bigger NFL fan than I am. I only watched the Super Bowls. So uh, we've got a hot dog eating contest. We've got uh, free NFL t-shirts fired into the crowd. The LA Rams mascot is going to be there. Uh, and if you arrive early, you can also get a special photo with an NFL helmet and shoulder pads on in the precinct. And then if you do that, you also go into the draw to win a stack of great prizes, including mini gridiron balls. So there's plenty going on 
for our home game. I just want to throw this out there too. I just want to throw this out there for anyone who is an NFL fan and listens to our Titans podcast. So you know how the the Gold Coast Titans are and you know how much we put into this team that hasn't really given us a great deal in regards to success over the last 16, 17 years. Well, guess what? For fun fact for you, I'm actually a Detroit Lions fan in the NFL. So, you know, they they quite very, very very similarly to one another. The, The Detroit Lions for you, Clark, and for people who don't know the NFL... Uh, they, uh, they've actually not won a single playoff game in my entire lifetime. I'm 29 years old. The Detroit Lions, not Super Bowl. I'm not talking about Super Bowl here, son. I'm talking about a playoff game, which is the equivalent of a finals game in, uh, in, in the NFL. So, yeah, look, uh, great life. <laughs> great life between the two. But, uh, look, I'm looking forward to it. Obviously, get a bit of American theme behind it. Obviously, the Vegas... Uh, games are happening next season. Obviously, within the next five years, we'll be there at some point. I have spoken to Steve, and Steve really was keen for it. Steve Mitchell, our CEO, he was really keen for it. And, and I really do think that the NRL is trying to push this American kind of vibe now to try and get a lot of those young American talents to get into the game as well, which is a big reason why they're going to Vegas. So, yeah, look, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Obviously, you know, I'm not personally a Rams fan, but I have no problem with the Rams because Matty Stafford played there, who used to play for the Lions. So, yeah, I'm keen for it. You know, I'm going to search up the U.S. population is 332 million in 2021. So that's probably gone up by now. That was their last census. They did a, a look into how much of New Zealand being the only other country outside of Australia tunes into the NRL. And they estimated about 36,000 people regularly are watching the NRL games and tuning in. 36,000 of 330 is like 0. 0.000, whatever percent it is. It's a very low number. So the potential with this sort of stuff is always cool um, when we talk about our game. Let's jump into our NRL recap. Please no. No, no, that's the end of the podcast, Clarky. <laughs> yeah, We're done for the day. <laughs> straight on Back the QA section. Kill the strain. Kill the strain. A really, really tough one to speak about. We lose to the Sharks 36 to 6. Um, I think I might be our bad luck charm here. I don't want to make this about me, but I've not been to a win since round 16, 2021. Um, to you know, to be fair, I don't go to every game, uh, but that's the whole of 2022 and 2023. I've not been able to travel. <laughs> to a game and watch us win, which is super deflating and disappointing, but it's not about me. It's about our team. And we must say they really struggled here against the Sharks side that has one win and three losses in their last four. Um, you know, this did loom as a, a pretty, I won't say it was a an easy win, but it was certainly winnable or one we could have competed in. Uh, how did you see it, mate? I know you were there next to me and you'd probably consumed about 15 less beers. So probably had a better eye for the game than I did. Look, if people had watched the vlog, they would know that uh, the big fella Clark, he had a few to drink. He definitely did. But he had a good time. And that's the main thing. You know, you've got to try and find a way to enjoy it. And you said that, obviously, you feel like you're a bad luck chunk because you haven't seen us win an away game or, or whatnot, or you haven't seen us win since round 16, 2021. And it's like, I get that. But in the same sense, I haven't seen us win many times either away from home. And I've been to every game this season so far. I've been to every game this season, and I think it was 18 or 19 games last season as well. So, you know, although it may feel like it is a you thing, it really isn't. It is a, if you're going to an away game as a Titans fan, lately we haven't given anyone any real reason to, to think that they're going to be experiencing a win because this year, man, we've only won away at Manly, away at Leichhardt, and you could argue, obviously, Magic Round, obviously, against the Parramatta Eels there, even though that was technically our home game. Suncorp Stadium is not our home. It is absolutely not our home. So that, that for me, I do include that as an away game there. Uh, but yeah, look, that was a that was a really disappointing one, man. You know, obviously, like I said, I'm at every game. And the thing for me is that, like, obviously the players 
I love these boys. I know these boys. I love these boys. And, you know, I love what this team represents. But the, the fact of the matter is, is that I'm, I'm there with the, the, fa- the friends and I'm there with the families. I'm there with the community of the Gold Coast. And it just, it really does sadden me to see that we don't have that happiness, you know. And, and I've said this many times before. I, I really shouldn't actually be taking this as a you know responsibility upon myself and whatnot, but I really do try to get as big of an atmosphere and as, as loud of an atmosphere as a part of this team you know, to, to, to really show that we do have fans, whether it be away or at home. And it is it is upsetting to see people obviously get out there. And as you said, um, you haven't seen us win away in, in such a long time. So um, I don't know. It's just that was a really disappointing effort. And the boys weren't happy. Uh, if you guys were there with us after the game outside Shark Park when the boys get on the bus, obviously they weren't happy about that. They knew that they had a game plan. It didn't work out. Uh, we've got a lot of injuries from that game too now. Our team list coming into this Panthers game is, is a bit rough. Um, and that was probably one of the most deflating, deflating games this season, I would say. You know, we've had games where we've thrown away leads. We've had games where we've been robbed from the, the NRLs. Have, the NRL has agreed and said that that was the, the wrong call. We have been robbed. So we've had deflating games where we've choked away leads. We've been robbed or we've just been pumped. But nothing like this. This one just really was a rough one to accept because we were just never in it. And although I'm not saying any referees here, I'm not saying that we, you can't lose 36-6 and blame referees, I just feel like a couple of those tries probably were tries for us, to be completely honest with you. But the fact of the matter is we can't dwell on that. We just have to look at it, say, it happened. Let's move on. We can't make the eight this season, but we just need to. We've done this many times before, guys. We can't make the eight this season. We're just going to try and have some fun for the rest of it, see some of these young talents coming through, like Tommy Weaver that we'll get into in a second. And just, yeah, really try and find some some happiness throughout. Uh, so I arrived to the ground. And I know as I get there, the Sharks have a 5-5 five and five record at home this year. Haven't played the best there. It's not feeling like a fortress at all. Um, I go to buy oh, beers man. and... The, uh, <laughs> oh, no. I'm sorry to interrupt you, bro. But <laughs> fortress? Fortress? Yeah. That was the worst atmosphere I have ever experienced. Now, I've had complaints about other stadiums. But my God, I used to love Shark Park. Fortress, they are quiet. I had to scream and tell them to at least like attack, like buddy throw insults at me or something. Like my mm. gee whiz. Like that was really sad to see the lack of presence that any fan there had. You know what? The little six-year-old girl, five-year-old girl who gave me a desk there had better atmosphere than half their cr- the whole crowd. It was unbelievable. Mm. It was an unbelievably dead crowd and... Uh, the way I knew this was, as they were announcing the Sharks team, I give the loudest and most obnoxious boo you could possibly imagine. Just a big boo. And it was, <laughs> it felt like this, like you could have heard a mouse take a pee on cotton. You would have heard that sound <laughs> above the Sharks fans. You can imagine that'd be a pretty quiet sound, right? You would have picked it up. Um, it, it, you would have picked it up like it was on the Richter scale. That's how quiet these Sharkies fans were. So I'm growing in confidence. Keep in mind, one minute earlier... You got something to say, don't you? Come, come I on. do, I do, because even to to go back at that and say, remember that lady who even told us to be quiet? Like the only people making yeah. any kind of noise in the entire stadium, and we're getting told like abusively to sit down and shut up, basically. And it's like we're the, we're the only ones making any kind of noise in this stadium, and even the ones making noise are told to sit down and shut up. It was it's it's insane. Like they literally wanted. I kept yelling out. 
what's everyone's favourite book in this library? You know, we get distracted from the game, but in the same sense, do we really want to talk about the game? No, I want to talk about this, because this is funny to talk about, but I used to love Shark Park, man. It's my mum's team. Mum's team is the Sharkies, but... <laughs> disappointing, man. Very disappointing. No atmosphere. And I, I would have said we were probably louder when Tino scored than they were for their tries. And I remember at one stage, they were actually louder when Fafita got called a no-try by the bunker than they were celebrating their own try. So it was a really strange atmosphere. Yeah, that's probably why. That, that's The point I try, to, I try to make is that it was a very, very strange atmosphere. Um, but look, all jokes aside and being completely serious, once you told me that Tino and Dave have re-signed, I started to get this really great feeling inside me. Prior to that, I'd had about five beers at Norley's with Brad Takarangi, one of our former players. And he convinced me Jaden Campbell's going to score a double and you're going to win here. Um, I did have a bet on that as well. So everything that could have went wrong, it went wrong. But, you know, remarkable news for the club. All jokes aside, I was super confident thinking, you know what? These boys are going to rip in here. That is amazing news. Every player is going to love that. It wasn't the case. And I think the only thing you can logically say why we weren't there was the Warriors game, physically and mentally. Now, I say that because when we talk about What's the data? What's the history of teams that have to play over an hour with 12 men and how they perform the next week? doesn't happen very often. I personally can't think of the last time a send-off occurred with over an hour left in the game or roughly an hour left. So we will be the measurement, I guess, for future analysts on how much that impacts the club. I don't want to use that as an excuse, but logically it makes sense as the largest contributing factor um, that you know contributed to a really, really poor performance here. In terms of analogs in the game, looking at it from a strategic lens, I'm a bit lost of words on what there is to analyze here because we were just so far off the pace that it was one of those nights where it was just, this sucks to say, but it's sitting there in the crowd. It was one of those nights that you were you were kind of disappointed to be a Titans fan, um, particularly when you're in a rival for territory, their fans are giving it to you and they're giving it to us because quote unquote, <laughs> we're just the Titans. And that's all we are to the rest of the league. We're just the Titans. And I'm kind of sick of, you know, when these rival fans are going at me, I love the banner. It's fun. But what's our rebuttal based on our own success? Do you know what I mean? Like I can turn around to the Sharks and go, you've only got one premiership. It's still one more than us. And so we don't really have that successful rebuttal that can be fun or at least banterous um, to other fans. And, you know, it's one of those things where I felt so disappointed, but I know the feeling of when we win next, all those feelings of disappointment will reside. And I know that, you know, myself, I'm going to continue loving this club and fighting for this club as much as I can. A real positive, and I want to finish on a high note, it was, again, the community feeling. We had this one down in the Raiders game. We had it this week as well, where we're sitting in the grandstands. I'm meeting new Titans fans. People are saying they enjoy listening to this podcast. And outside of the result, we had a great night. We had a great night. We've got a great community. And I truly do love this club and i know those feelings of disappointment will only be short term let's jump into our three before two we do get into three two ones before we do get into three two ones i do want to kind of also go on to and, and and add on to that because i've said this before and i'll say it again although the results you know win lose or draw we're all there for the one reason to support this team the fact of the matter is is that you if you're going to an away game come and sit with us man like don't go and sit elsewhere or like if you buy tickets look at the Titans frontline Instagram page look at the BK Sport Instagram page you know we tell you where we're going to be sitting and 
it really is a, a, a place that you want to be a part of because if you don't have that support around you, I don't encourage you to you know get into the banter like myself with away fans. I, I don't encourage you to do that because it can get quite you know uh, you know it can get quite large at times. It's not easy to handle. But the fact of the matter is, when you're there, you're laughing with your friends, people who have the same goals as you. You have you have people having a few drinks here and there, you know, as as Clarkie was, and just enjoying the game. Although it was a thirty-six to six loss. It was great having the people around you who all still have that same thought process that regardless of this, we're here to have a good time. So yeah, look at the the Instagram, the socials and whatnot. Find out where we're sitting and come and join us. We've got one away game to go this season, which is down there in Melbourne. Uh, so yeah, if you're there, obviously we have a, a, a nice little members night as well that's going to be coming up. Uh, we've got a nice little members uh, post-match function to, to be a part of. And uh, yeah, it should be it should be a really good time. So if you get to an away game, just make sure look for where we are. You get a nice little community, as Clarky said. Exactly. Watch the footy and, and make new friends that are all like minded and, and love the same club as you. It really does uh, add to the experience. But also, when you do lose, you're not sitting there thinking, "Well, well I sat by myself or, or I sat, you know, amongst all Sharks fans for this instance all night and listened to them." You know, at least you get to spend some time with Titans fans and, and get to know some new people. I'm going to go first with my three points. I'm going Tino. He had our only try, the most hit-ups, the second most speeders for us, eight tackle breaks and 34 tackles. Our skipper was easily our best player um, on the eve of signing that big extension. We knew he was going to turn up, um, and he certainly didn't let anyone down with a brilliant performance. I'm guessing he gets your three points as well. It's got to be the big Tino. It has to be the big Tino Fasul Malawi. He is our guy. He's our 10-year Tino, as we were saying throughout the game. Honestly, you just can't put a stop to this man. You just cannot put a stop to him. 19 runs, as he said, 214 metres. Even had some kicking return metres of 15s. We may as well chuck him into the fullback. 76 post-contact metres, line break. You know, and, and for people who are going to be looking at missed tackles, right... There, everyone's got missed tackles. Literally everyone here has missed tackles, except for three players in Jimmy Jolliffe, uh, Philip Sami, and also Aaron Shopey. And Shopey made 22 tackles for none missed. So, look, I know that a lot of people obviously are, are going at, uh, at Shopey lately, and there's a lot of you know concerns around him. But the fact of the matter is, is that at least he doesn't miss any tackles there, and at least he's got the 22 tackles. So he is putting in some work there. He has 100% tackle efficiency in that game. So I just want to give a big little shout-out, or big little shout-out, a big shout-out there uh, to, to Shopey there for the no missed tackles, but yeah, look, I have to give uh, Tino Fasu Malawi my three points, and then for two points, I'm going to have to go with Philip, Philip, which is what Clarkie was saying the entire time uh, throughout the game there, if you guys are watching the podcast, but Philip Sami there, uh, he was incredible, man, like truly, to have the most post-contact meters in the entire team, that's including forwards, he had the most post-contact meters by about 50-odd, about 40-odd, sorry, above Tino, in 112 post-contact meters, we have 247 all run meters. He had 24 runs in total. Uh, you know, didn't get a try, but five tackle breaks, two hit-ups there. Um, you know, and also, like I was saying before, it didn't miss a tackle. He was 100% tackle efficiency through six tackles. He's on the wing there. So you don't really have to think about that too much. But again, didn't miss a tackle when he was asked. Um, and yeah, look, I, I, again, it has to come down to the fact that Phil Sammy was was great for us. So I'm going to go have to go with Philip. And uh, yeah, I was impressed with his outing despite the scoreline. Yeah, I got big Phil for my two points as well. He was brilliant. The hard work that he has is exactly what Brian Toto does there for the Panthers, where when the forward pack's tied and they need a break, he's coming in to have these carries that include crucial post-contact meters. And I do really feel that with Phil, 
We know the X factor we've got. We've seen him step Roger Tulvasashek. We've seen him run down Josh Adokar. He's done all these remarkable things. It's this sort of hard work that I believe genuinely will have him in the frame to potentially return for the Maroons next year. My one point goes to Keanu Kinney. He only came on in the second half, but by that stage, we were well down. And in one half of footy, he still took 17 runs for 123 metres, broke three tackles, and he did try his absolute best. And I just think that if you're going to look at those stats there over 40 minutes, then statistically he did have, you know, pound for pound the most runs and the most metres um, in our side. So I was really impressed by Kinney's composure to come into a game that we were down and just work hard for the team. Uh, who gets your one point this week? Yeah, I'm not putting Keanu Kinney as my one point, but I do also want to continue on with that to say Keanu's a young man. You know, he's a young man coming through this team who has a lot of adversity to face with the fact that he's coming up against the likes of Jaden Campbell and AJ Brimdon, Millionaire Brimson. You know, these two guys are a very quality to position and he has to really come into cover. And when he comes into cover, he has to have a massive performance. Now, the games that he's had to cover for has been the game against the Rabbitohs early in the season and now the Sharks. So he's been really thrown amongst it at really tough times, really, really tough times there. Uh, so, you know, you've got to be really impressed with what he's showing. And obviously, he will be our fullback this week against Penrith as well. So we'll see another tough game for him. Jeez, he's not getting any light work. No light work there for Keanu. But I know he is absolutely well and truly ready to uh, give it a 100% a crack. Now, for my one point, I'm actually going to go with the big Jimmy Jolliffe. I think he was in, I, th- I think he was impressive. 14 runs for 127 run meters. Uh, even had some kick return meters as well as Tino. Our front row forwards <laughs> are playing fullback at this point. Uh, but 45 post-contact meters, which was pretty much around where everyone else was at. Um, but again, like he, he didn't miss a single tackle. He did not miss a single tackle, made 30 tackles. Uh, had one ineffective tackle, but in the same sense, you know, like, uh, a bit of whatever there. Um, so look, I, I, I love the game for him. I think we need a guy like Jimmy, just runs the ball hard, is a tough worker for this team. I know how much he cares about this team. Had three tackle breaks as well. So yeah, I'm going to give my one point to Jimmy Jolliffe, but I do love that selection of uh, of young man Keanu Kenny. Very impressive by Jimmy when you also consider his first game in a while coming back from that injury. Let's jump into our Around the Ground segment. Queensland Cup or Host Plus Cup does enter its final round for the regular season this week. The Bears currently sit in second, and they should hold on to that this week with a game against the Blackhawks, who are in 11th. Meanwhile, Tweed are on 7th, and a loss for them this round, if others get the results, could mean they miss finals. So, very important week of action. Um, Over to you, Blaze, to recap last week. How did the Bears go and which one of our Titans stood out? Bears win as always, baby. The Bears win as always. The Bears defeat the Makai Cutters 24 to 10, which, as you said, pretty much locks them up for the uh, number two spot unless things went crazy. Uh, and the Eastern Tigers, uh, sorry, the Brisbane Tigers, I keep getting confused because they used to be East, uh, but the Brisbane Tigers, they would have to win massively over the Wittemelly Seagulls, who have actually had a bit of a drop-off recently, uh, who were the ones really competing with the Bears for second, but now they've dropped down to fifth. Uh, but yeah, look, the Bears were great. Tony Francis, who I believe is off contract again this year for the Titans, had 246 metres from 17 runs, 104 post-contact. I'm not too sure what's going to happen there with Tony Francis, because obviously the Bears are moving to the Broncos next season. Uh, so, you know, that's unfortunate for us but obviously with him being off contract with the Titans I don't know this is just pure speculation here 
unless the Titans are re-signing him, maybe we could be seeing him going over to, to, to the opposition there in the Brisbane Broncos. I'm really not too sure. So, look, he's been having a great season. I've been seeing some good run meters from him, uh, and, and he's been playing some pretty quality football in the Host Pass Cup. So, yeah, it's it's a kind of do-or-die selection right now for the Titans to see if they want to have him, you know, going into the future. Uh, but then again, we do have that Titans Q Cup team coming in as well. Uh, Isaac Fatsumalawi, obviously, brother of Tino, uh, 52 meters and 15 tackles from the bench. Uh, Jacob Alec, one try, 137 seven meters, four tackle breaks, and 23 tackles. So, yeah, look, the Bears, they're still absolutely in the hunt for the minor premiership there. They can come first. They need the results to go their way, though. They This week, they do take on, I believe it is, the Townsville Blackhawks. Uh, the Townsville Blackhawks there, uh, who are in 11th position. Now, they have nothing to play for. They cannot make the eight there. They're on 21 points. The Hunters are on 23, but even the Hunters can't even get there. So, Blackhawks season is done. So, you'd expect the Bears to be winning that game, uh, but they would have to rely on the Magpies, the South Slogan Magpies, who are on 34 points to lose to the, uh, to the Capras, who are... Uh, well, they're actually doing pretty well. They are doing pretty well, the Central Queensland Capras. They're in a sixth position right now. So they're actually playing. They could get into the top four, actually, if the Capras get a win. So maybe a bit of incentive there for the Capras to win. They cannot drop out of the eight, though. So it's not like it's a do-or-die clash there for the Capras. But the fact of the matter is, if things go their way, maybe they can get into the top four. So, yeah, the Bears would have to rely on being the Blackhawks and also the Capras beating the Magpies to get that minor premiership. But unless they got absolutely whooped by the Blackhawks and, and the Tigers beat Widdham Manly, the Bears have pretty much locked up that second spot. Perfect. And for last round, our Tweed Seagulls defeated the Jets, 72-10. to 10. Joseph Vuna, he scored a try and made 124 metres. He also had 12 tackles, which was the most of any Tweed player. And that is the lowest amount I've ever seen. For That's insane. Most tackles. <laughs> yeah, I've never... Like, what, what were the Jets doing? Um, but yeah, it's really, really strange. Stat Look, to be completely honest with you, just to reply to that comment, the, the Ipswich Jets, they've got to buy this round, the final round of the season. They went through this entire season and did not win a single game. They did not win a single oh, game. Wow. They were zero from 20. Yeah, I mean, that really sums it up. I suppose they were making a huge amount of errors there. Uh, Tremaine Spry, he went to fullback and scored a try, had two tackle breaks and 119 metres. They were our only Titans in that game. This week, our Seagulls are up against the Falcons, so it's seventh in us v ninth in the Falcons. If the Falcons were to win that game and the Pride were to defeat the Dolphins, who are our top four side, so that's tough there, but could happen. That would push us out of the eighth. But we are riding a 62-point victory there. Fingers crossed the lads take that momentum and just get the win of the Falcons to rule out any possibility there. Now, the current injury list, usually we would go through this segment in great depth. As we get to the end of the year, um, a lot of injuries could be season-ending just by nature of there's not many games left. So we will leave that unless there's something really significant to talk about. I suppose the most important one there is Tanner Boyd's shoulder, um, definitely ruling him out for the rest of this year. Let's jump into our team list against the Panthers. Fullback Keanu Kinney. Our wingers are Loffy and Phil as expected. No changes to the centers either. A new halves pairing. We've got Jaden Campbell at six and young Tommy Weaver at seven. Our front row forward pack is Fotu Aker, Jamin Jolliffe, and Chris Randall at hooker, keeping in mind Sam Verrills is out. Um, so Fotu Aker returns from that suspension. Our back rows, Dave Fafita, Cleese Huss, and Tino moves back to the 13 jersey where he's played for the Queensland Maroons before. Our bench is Cruz Leeming, Isaac Liu, Joe Stimson, and our man, Jacob Ali, is there on the bench. In reserves, AJ Brimson is there, but from what I understand and what I've seen, he probably will not be returning for this game. 
Is that accurate? And what do you think about that team list? Any changes you'd like to see? I want to really reiterate to people listening and to the fans of the Gold Coast to please take it easy on guys like Tom Weaver having their debut in a game against the Penrith Panthers. Because this is a problem that our club has had for a very long time, where these boys, in the special, especially in the halves, you know, Tobes, you know, Tan, Tommy Weaver, uh, Ash Taylor, these guys have been thrown into the deep end, and unfortunately, the fans slap them down. They slap them down very quickly. And Tom Weaver, he has the talent, he has the quality, but you're literally throwing him into a game that we're missing our number one fullback. You know, and that's no disrespect to Keanu. Love Keanu, but he would even understand that. You know, we've we've got we don't have our number uh, one five eight in Kieran Foran, which JC is probably playing as our fullback in the future, unless AJ is still there. But the fact of the matter is, we went into this season with Foz. And then Tommy Weaver, obviously, is getting his crack here. And we don't even have that number one hooker either in uh, Sammy Verrills. And we've got Chrissy Randall there. So I'm really nervous to see what people are going to say because I know Tom Weaver has the quality and he's, he's shown it underneath in the Host Plus Cup and he's also shown it in the New South Wales Under-19s. So I, this game, we're going up against a team that has won back-to-back premierships, that has been in three grand finals in a row, and currently sits at the top of the table. They're still playing to finish off the table because they are tied with the Brisbane Broncos at first and second. They need to win this game. The Panthers need to win this game. So don't think they're going to be taking it easy on us. We have a lot of outs. We have a lot of changes. But we just have to go into this game and just hope for the best, man. I truly just back in these boys because we do still have some really quality talent. You know, our team is still talented. It is not our first team by any means, but... I would just suggest go into this game with an open mind. Look at the players coming through in Tommy Weaver, Keanu Kinney, JC at the 5'8. You know, you've still got the star, young talent, Lafayette, Carl Pereira. Um, you know, Cleese Haas gets a start in the back row, and Jacob Alec off the bench. So, yes, what I want to say is go in with an open mind. Go in with an open mind. And for the Panthers, they only get stronger, unfortunately. Jerome Luai and Mitch Kenny return for them. And Spencer Lanou is uh, named in reserves there, so could make his return. But I agree with you. Um, there has been a lot of immediate pressure. Uh, we've seen people have to be thrown to the deep end before, such as Jaden Campbell against the Storm um, in his debut, and he really thrived. Um, and so I just say that to the fans that, you know, the support and the cheering and the atmosphere can't be the difference for these players sometimes. So hopefully we can get around Tommy Weaver and he can have a strong debut. Don't have any changes to this team sheet. I like it. The only thing I wish is that Foran was available. I think having someone like Foz next year for your NRL debut would be massive. Um, just a bit more experience at six and Jane Campbell, as simple as that. Let's jump into our Panthers game preview. We're at Seabus Super Stadium, Saturday, 5.30 p.m. Um, the obvious here, they have opened as short as $1.08. Uh, we're as high as $8. If you guys don't bet, that's... Uh, better than Winks. Everyone would know that racehorse. They are shorter odds than Winks to beat us. Um, look, I've got to be brutally honest. There is not a side in this league right now that I'm going to tip to beat the Panthers. Every other team, including us. So there's no disrespect in my mind at all when I say that I am going to tip the Panthers in this one. I think they should beat us. Um, do you agree with that? And are you seeing anything here that could be... I guess, you know, the catalyst for a huge upset to occur? Well, I guess the catalyst for a huge upset to occur would be the fact that we're going in and just throwing whatever we can, then we have no real pressure. Like, there's no way you could come into this game 
and have pressure on this team to win. You, there's no way that anyone should be coming to this game saying, if the Titans don't win, then that's a joke. Because it's not. Like, they are not expected to win. This is David versus Goliath right now. And I know that fans may want us to sit here and, and, and give you every reason to believe we're going to win. And it's like, I, I understand that. It's a very tough season to come into a game like this, even if we had our full team, to think we're winning. And as you said, you know, on my streams every single week, I stream all the, all the games. I watch every game when I'm not obviously at the Titans game, but I stream every game. And I say the Panthers are a different breed. You know, they are a team that hopefully we can be one day. Uh, we're not there yet. But the fact of the matter is that this Panthers team, I don't believe will lose the comp this year. I think they will win the competition for the third time in a row. Uh, I think that it's, it's definitely theirs to lose. The only ones I can see close by would be obviously the Bronx and the Storm, but I still think there's issues with the Bronx. Um, there is still issues with the, the Warriors. Maybe if the Rabbitohs find form, they could sneak something because they have beaten them earlier this year. But overall, yeah, look, this is going to be an extremely tough game to, to see us getting a win. But it just comes down to hopefully we've got nothing to lose. So we go out there and just throw everything we've got at it, make it an exciting game, see a nice little debutante, Tommy Weaver. Keanu Kinney gets a full game, and we get experience against a team that still does need to win. So I'm going in with no expectations. I'm going in, I'm going to be on the drums, excited to be there. Obviously, if we get beaten by a very, very extremely large result, like anywhere above 50, I'm going to be really disappointed because I do still believe these are professional players going out there to get a job done. And if they don't get a job done, we just want to see them give it their all. But we, as long as we're not losing by an extremely large amount, I'm proud regardless. I'll stop no one in my analysis when I say that Panthers are absolutely the benchmark of this competition. And when we talk elite, elite teams in this competition, they are so far ahead of probably the Broncos and Storm who you'd have a bit lower that it's not funny. They are so far ahead. Um, let me use this example. The Melbourne Storm, they demolished the Eels by 30, got pumped in Penrith by 20, where they did not look like scoring. And then they won last round by 46 against the Raiders who are one spot lower than on the ladder. And this is the side that, you know, we just saw they beat the Eels who in the top eight by 30. Let me say again, the Raiders who were just outside of the top four by 46, but then they lose to the Panthers by 20. That's how much further the Panthers are up the elite team scale than anyone else at the moment. I don't think we can trouble them realistically. I think on form, they should beat us comfortably. But if I had to offer a path to victory or a key to victory for our listeners, then I would say it's what Manly did last round. And I thought Manly did a really good job at it before referee decisions eventually did you know, really favor the Panthers. <laughs> I'm not saying Keanu Kinney go and kick it like it's rugby style like we saw Garrick do. Don't do that. Please no. Sure. Please. Throw it around, boys. Have fun. Enjoy your footy. Uh, footy. Take chances. Because if we just try to match it you know, set for set with this Panther side, we aren't going to win. Where I do get excited and give us a minor possibility, our forward pack matches it with theirs. Their forward pack's world-class, as is ours. Two very strong forward packs. We don't know enough about Tommy Weaver yet, but we do know Jaden Campbell is absolutely electric and could certainly create some points there, like Josh Schuster almost did for the Seagulls there. So that would be my key or pathway to victory in this one. Do you mirror that, echo that, or would you add anything different? The pathway to victory for us realistically comes through just utilizing the youth as we should utilize the youth and not expecting the youth to be experienced. And like the likes of Tina, we do have... And, and that's the thing. Our experienced players in this game of Tino, of Dave, you know, um, of Mawaki. I'm not looking... Jimmy's a little bit... Actually, how old is Jimmy Joloff? 
How old is Jimmy Giles? Can you Google that for me while I'm having a look? Yeah, um, But, you know, our experienced Jaden Campbell. Um, all these guys who are experienced are still very young. They're still very, very young. So, yeah, you can't go into this game expecting anything. I just think the youth need to be the youth. They've got to throw it around. Don't get too crazy, obviously. Uh, but, you know, give a bit of the, the element of surprise. You know, throw a bit at them that you wouldn't expect. Get Jaden Campbell being the electric, you know, enigmatic player that he is. And just throw the ball around. Have a bit of fun with it. You know, play footy, be professional, but have a bit of fun with it. And hopefully David can get over the top of Goliath. Jimmy is 26 years old, debuted in 2020. I think the still reason... Still not even that old, man. It's, it's still yeah, not even that old, super young. you know? Yeah. And I think the reason why... Uh, we might look in a bit younger. Someone like Mo, who's actually 23, debuted in 2018. So because Jimmy was debuted at 24, maybe that's why, or 23, however he was, uh, old he was. Look, I'm just hoping we show some fight here. Let me be very clear. We have wins over the Broncos and Storm this year. Neither sides were at their absolute best when we played them, but we've shown so much effort and desire that it didn't matter who was in their side. We just wanted to win against a great side, and we did it. Then we go to the Warriors game. I thought we competed really, really well on that. Well, that's three of the four top four sides this year. If we can compete well against the Panthers here, and I'm not saying if we can win, I think that's going to be really difficult. But if we can compete and have our moments and have a glimpse into the future, how can we not be happy about beating two of the top four sides and competing really hard against the other two? Um, it's a sign that when we come next year, if we put in that same sort of effort on a Des Hasler, we will start to be winning these games week in, week out. So I think this game is important, not only for our development, but it goes a long way into what we're capable of in 2024. I want to see us compete well. I want to see us fight on everything. Our last win over the Panthers was in 2019. We were at home. We won 34 to 20. Since then, they've won their last four straight overs with an aggregate of 112 to 32. Um, so it's a big week for the club. It is a, a big, big week for the club. Blaze. 2016, Sharks, huge win streak. We go out there and draw with them. We end their massive streak. Oh, I just hope something. I hope there's a bit of magic in the air. I really hope there is. Can you see it? You know, you might have heard it's tough me to breathe, see, isn't it? This last, you, you might have heard me breathing pretty heavily this last 10 15 seconds. And I was thinking, you know, I'm overhearing this stat of, you know, this team, we haven't beaten them since 2018, 2017, 2019, you know. And we see it about the, you know, the Rabbitohs. We see it about the Panthers. We see it about, you know, the Sharks. You know, how we haven't beat these teams in so long. It's just like, man, you just get so over it. You just really do. So I would love to see us get up here, man. I, I Look, I, can't, I have to be honest with you guys. I, I will be tipping the Panthers in this game. And I'll be tipping the Panthers 13 plus, but I will still be there. I will still be there on the drums. I will still be there supporting this team. And I hope you guys are too. It is not going to be a game that you ha should have any expectations. Have the lowest expectations possible and maybe we can be surprised and it'll be even better of a day. Can you imagine being there on the day that although our season is done, we show a bit of pride and we beat the team that potentially will more than likely go on to win the comp this year. So... I do have to tip the Panthers as well with you. Um, well, the last time we both tipped against us, we won against the Cowboys, yeah. Clarky. The last time we tipped against us, we, we won. So hopefully that's a sign. Uh, but, you know, don't go with expectations. Just enjoy the game. Get out there and hope for the best. Let's jump into our Q&A section. The best way to ask a question, well, there's two ways. Number one, you can join our Facebook group. It's the Gold Coast Titans Frontline Podcast. 
So if you search Gold Coast Titans Frontline, you should see it appear there as a group. And every week you can leave your question there. If not, via BKR Sport on Instagram. Our first question comes from the Warrior Holic. And I think this is from last week from the Warriors fans. But he says that it's going to be exciting next year with Des. And he wants to know what would it be like adding a few kilograms onto AJ and playing him at 13? Would it be something like Dylan Walker at the Warriors? You rate it or hate it? I don't mind it, to be completely honest with you. Yeah, this was on our last podcast. We had quite a few Warriors fans actually tuning in over the last couple of weeks. So if you're still watching, then I appreciate you. We, we both appreciate you. But yeah, look, I, I think that you've actually said a, a couple of times that, was it Mal that suggested him into the 13? Or was it the hooker that he was saying? Uh, he, hooker, he liked him. Oh, he liked him in the hooker. Well, look, yeah. as 13, yeah, look, if you put a few kilos on him, then... Then maybe, but with that being said, you'd have to, like, the modern day lock, think about the size of them. You know, you've got Cameron Murray, you've got Isaiah Yo, you've got guys like a Tino Fasul Malawi, who's now at 13, normally it'd be Ez or uh, Isaac Liu, but, you know, maybe not. You know, I I don't know, because then you lose his elusiveness and his pace and whatnot, and we are already looking to potentially put him into the centres situation. So, Look, I understand the viewpoint of he's a good passer of the ball. You know, he can even include his kicks there. It would change the way a 13 plays if he did well. Like, if he did well, he would change the way that a 13 lock is looked at. But I think that that's a bit too much of a risk for Desi Hasler, personally. Yeah, I think it could be like a Connor Watson, a Curtis Moran for the Bulldogs, a Cameron Murray... Uh, the sort of lock forward that you don't really want having direct hit-ups like you would expect Tano to do this weekend or, or Isaac Liu when he plays there. The sort of lock that you really want to be creative. The problem in the modern game is you really got to match it early with sides. And to do that, you need size in your forward pack. Uh, and then that would lead AJ to being like a Dylan Walker that has to come off that interchange. And I probably think he's a, a touch above that at this stage of his career. Um, if AJ was open to it, I'm open to it. But I always go back to uh, he is our fullback until he, he's not our fullback anymore. Our next question comes from Wardell underscore 23. And he says, fun question. If you had Tino's contract, what would be the first thing you would buy? What do you grab, mate? <laughs> the first thing I would buy, I think the first thing I would buy is a... Uh, is there is there a thing where you can like buy a membership to an airline, <laughs> like, you know, where like to Qantas or, or Jetstar or something like that? Or you know what? The first thing I buy is just my flights for the year. You know what I'm saying? He got obviously quite a bit of money there, so you know, it, again, all the money that I get goes straight back into the channel and creating content. So uh, the first thing I would buy is well, his kind of money. I'll, I'd probably sponsor the club to be completely honest with you. Uh, you'd probably sponsor the club for a year, so you know that gives back to the club. Uh, but obviously, we're assuming that we're not playing for the team uh, <laughs> we're not playing for the team so that'd be kind of weird to sponsor the club because then you're just kind of get, getting the money to give it back to them um, so yeah look for me like it, it would just go back into creating content to be completely honest with you yeah I'm pretty boring mine would be the same if I see it really depends so I get the 12 million dollar <laughs> hit up front because if I get the 12 million dollars up front then I'm probably doing something completely different I'm probably buying mum and dad like a house or something hectic mm. even though they've already got a house I don't know if, what if I do that actually it's a bit weird buying someone a house or he has a house um, you can buy me a house. <laughs> yeah, maybe I'll buy you the house. Maybe I'll get a joint like the American rappers in America. Yeah, no, we got the YouTubers' house, mate. You know, the content creators' house where we just we live together. Yeah. You know, obviously, uh, you've got your family there, so you'll have that half of the house, and I'll have that half of the house, and you know, there you go. Sideman sort of get up that I see there. No, I'd get a um a giant diamond necklace. 
that oh, has yeah. our logo on it and the background spins. <laughs> so like the Titan Stadium in the background, the blue and gold spins. So as I spin it, it's like half Do you really need that, gold. man? Do you, do you really need that? You need a giant diamond thing with our logo on it? Like, is that really the first thing you're going to buy with that kind of money? <laughs> That is pretty silly to think about, like, $12 million hitting your bank again, that's your first thought. No, oh, um, man. Yeah, I, I didn't think about this question. Yeah, I'm really boring. It would probably just go towards my family. But at least I tried to give you guys a creative answer, as silly as it was. Um, our final question comes from Christian Care, And he says, what has been the biggest positive and negative for the club this year? And I really love this one. I'll let you go first. The biggest... The biggest positive you know what i'm gonna leave with a negative so i can end on a positive the negative is that it's been too fractious you know there's been too many things that have gone on that has prevented us from being the best team that we could possibly be you know we had the loss of justin holbrook uh, the the fallout from that uh, which ultimately was the tino and dave thing as well uh, you know, Desi Hasler coming in, what's he going to do? We had the, the early season fade outs, you know, we it looked really good and then we didn't look good. And, you know, it just seemed like we were continuously falling apart. And then we've had our injuries all season long. Like people forget about this. We had a lot of injuries to start this season in Sammy Verrills, AJ Brimson, um, you know, the, the likes. So, and Jimmy Jolliffe, Bowie Firma. The point matter is that we've had a lot of fractured stuff going on. So it's it's not been possible to really just combine as a team. And teams who win the comp, guys, everything goes perfect for them. It doesn't actually necessarily 100% matter about the players on the field. It matters about the whole organization. Has to be perfect. Everyone has to be on the same wavelength. It has to be rolling and flowing. So this year, obviously, that has not been the case. This year, it wasn't the way. Uh, hopefully, next year, we're all on the same page. Desi Hazel, Steve Mitchell, Dennis Watt, the fans, the community, the players, we all need to come together. So that's what wins comps. And that's what the Panthers have done over the last couple of years. The positive for us this season is that we have seen the likes of JC explode. We've seen the likes of JC explode. We've obviously got a record-breaking winger now in Lafayana Camperera. Um, you know, Philip Sami has had a breakout year again, you know, return breakout year. Uh, you know, I, I do think that the main positive we've got to look at is this extremely young team that we decide to really go forward with has got that experience now. They've got the they've got a lot more experience. They should know how to turn it up in the second half now with Desi Hasler there. There is positives going forward that the culture that we have built in this club is that these boys want to be here. Randall resigned, Dave resigned, Tino's here for 10 damn well years. You know, you've, you've got all these guys, JC re-signed, um, AJ Brimson's here for ages, you know, Phil Sami, he re-signed, BK re-signed, uh, there's just so much, and Loffy who re-signed, so everyone wants to be here, it's not like they don't want to be here, they want to be here, so, I don't know, I'm excited, that's the positive, the negatives were there, but there is definitely positives going to the future with the fact that we've got a lot more experience for these young blokes. I agree, I like how you started with the negative first to end on the positive, so I'll do the same. Uh, I go straight to what could have been this year. It's a, it's a, it's very broad what could have been, but I just look at our results and I think there's so many games we could have or should have won and that we would have won under different circumstances. Certainly, uh, once we build that experience on the Des, I think we will be winning um, a lot of these games. And so I came into this season thinking we probably weren't a top eight side, but we were right on the verge and could be one of those sides that goes um, into the seventh or eighth spot. Uh, round two against the Dragons. I really thought we should have won that. We beat the Tigers uh, the, the week before. We beat the Storm the week after. Round four, we're looking great against the Cowboys. By next week, 
Four and AJ go down, our two most experienced spine players. Uh, round seven, we start great against the Broncos, looking awesome. We then do a silly chip and chase, and they score on the brink of halftime and get that momentum. Round eight, Dolphins. Don't even want to talk about it. Um, we then go on to lose to the Bulldogs in round 12. Again, that with again with the bye next week, we just had to win. It didn't matter how we had to win, we didn't. Round 14, we looked okay against the Bunnies, but I won't say anything there. Uh, then we get into, obviously, the Raiders and to Dolphins and to Eel Stretch. Three super, super tough weeks, you'd say. Uh, and then we go to the Warriors game in round 23. I thought we would have won that if we didn't get the sin bin. The result of that, if you even say we win half of those games, we're in fifth. And half could be generous based on what Des Hasler could bring to this side next year, which brings me into my positive. We've suffered a lot of tough lessons this year. We've had a lot of external noise surrounding the club, a lot of distractions, a lot of headlines that will not be there next year. We'll have a more experienced coach that I believe in these tight games that are my negatives, we will turn around and win next year. So yeah, my positive is excitement for the future as well, based on everything I just described there. So from myself, if you're here on YouTube, thank you very much for being here viewing. And if you are listening later as a podcast, we appreciate you also. Thank you very much for being here. We look forward to seeing you next week, recapping what hopefully is a big game against the Panthers and continuing to preview our NRL season. Thank you very much. And over to you, say goodbye, Blaze. Yeah, well, look, it's going to be a tough one, lads. It is going to be a tough one. We do have one last little question here that I'll just throw out there. That was from Maca underscore NC. So I'm assuming that's Mackenzie. Uh, but it says that, how can I join the frontline seating at games? I really want to support the Titans. Now, this is a great question. You know, obviously, we do uh, get out there every single Every single week to support this team. And that's at home, at away, doesn't matter. We're there, I'm there, we're all there. Get around it. Uh, if you want to sit with us next season, like you can sit with us at this game uh, coming up for the Panthers or actually, no, I think it might be sold out. But um, you can call up membership department. Say, obviously, we sent you from the Gold Coast Titans Frontline Podcast. Uh, say that we sent you and uh, ask, obviously, for uh, the possibility to get a membership for 2024. It's going to be a great time. Obviously, we've got Desi Hasler, the boys getting red hot, firing up. Uh, you just have to call the membership department there uh, for the Titans, and they'll be able to help you out. Uh, just say that you're obviously wanting to sit alongside the front line uh, for 2024. Uh, but yeah, look, and, and when it's away games, just look at the uh, Titans Frontline Instagram page or the BKR Sport Instagram page. We will tell you exactly where we're sitting. That's not a membership per se. That's just we buy tickets in a certain area and get loud, get proud all together. Usually it ends up being the GA section or if a club gives us decent seating, like some places, they don't really give us good seats, right? So, you know, some places don't really put us in the greatest areas. So we've done move to GA or whatnot. Um, so yeah, just be obviously following BCAS Sport and Titans Frontline on Insta for that one. But Guys, we do appreciate you. You know, you guys put in just as much effort as us. We're obviously supporting this team. We're all got the same emotions. We all want to see this team successful. And although it may not be a pretty week, the fact of the matter is, this is the time you see the true fans. The true fans are the one that is still out there supporting this team through thick and thin. That was our slogan a few years back. And keep it pumping, you know. Feel the energy, yes, but through and through. That is the main thing. Stick by this team and get around the debutants coming in. Get around the young talent and just 
you know, support this team. That's all we can ask for, man. And that's all that we, we, we need as a club going into these final three games of the season against the Panthers, the Storm, and the Dogs. But from me, I appreciate you. Like the video. Subscribe if you're new around here. Get around you on Spotify and Apple. And uh, we'll see you guys next week, baby. <laughs> hey, well, wait a second, Clark. I think we should be... You know, skin skin, 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 yep. skin <laughs> cats. Yep. Skin cats.